The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 202 of the world's finest Cincinnati Reds podcast. Joining me again today, I'm Chad Dotson by the way, and joining me is Jason Linden. Jason, we're week into the season, you doing alright? I am doing just fine, Chad, just fine. Well, that's good. Just fine is better than a lot of people are doing these days. Can I talk just really quickly, though? I want to actually, before we get into the meat of the podcast, really fast, I want to talk about how much I love you, you guys out there in Red Leg Nation. You know, yesterday we thought, hey, let's uh, let's throw up just a, a dumb little promotion for the for the book, the Big Fifty, the Men and Moments that Made the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, my book that's out uh, that I wrote with Chris Garber that's out now, and we thought, hey, you know, all right, anybody that buys it between last night and the end of Friday night's game. We'll throw some baseball cards in an envelope and uh, yeah, thank you note and send them your way. And uh, if you bought it within that time, and I said if we sell twenty five, I'll between before Friday end of Friday night's game, I'll even throw in an Eugenio Suarez bobblehead. And uh, we busted right through that. We were already over fifty now. I'm gonna give away an Eric Davis bobblehead too. I don't know where I'm gonna get all these Reds cards. I guess I'm gonna have to go on eBay. Um, but I've just I'm blown away by uh, the love that's been sent our way. By Red Leg Nation, all, all you guys out there, and it's really just a fantastic community. And you know, and what I said last night was, you say what you want about Reds fans, and there are some fans that are uh, you know always upset, and some fans that are always sunny-eyed, and some fans in between. And what you don't see though is that all the Reds fans are passionate. I mean, this is a really passionate fan base, and and we disagree, we argue. Um, you know, nobody has the market cornered on being right about everything, but uh, that to me, that's the word passion and I really we saw it in the last uh, day or two uh, with this little dumb promotion we did and I just I want to thank everybody out there for listening to the podcast and for coming to the website and uh, for buying the book and it's just uh, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude today Jason well you know that, that I saw that your all's little promotion go up um, I have the uh, the the Red Leg Nation Twitter handle on my phone that I tweet from sometimes and and all of a sudden my phone was just blowing up with <laughs> notifications and it's like oh yeah. But uh, but it seemed like everybody uh, went all that went well and and the only quibble I would say is that you made the claim that no one has the market cornered on being right and you forgot it you forgot who you were talking to Chad that's true you have the market corner but for the rest of us mere mortals right none of us are, are ever always right but yeah you know I mean we we thought hey what maybe we'll sell twenty five books here and do something fun and it turned out we sold out all of Amazon stock they had to order more it's the second time they've had to reorder already. And so, uh, and it shot the book today is the number one baseball book on Amazon. So I'm just feeling extremely grateful today and appreciative of uh, this wonderful community that we have here called Red Leg Nation. You want to talk about Reds baseball, though, current Reds baseball? Sure. Let's let's talk about some baseball in the Reds and Reds baseball. Are you sure? Because I don't know if you noticed, but the Reds got swept in the season opening series. Yeah, but then they swept the Cubs in the next season. See, when you put it like that, and there's no other way that I would expect you to put it, 
you know, <laughs> when you put it that way, it doesn't seem quite so bad. Yeah. But, of course, yeah. they got swept in a three-game series and, and swept the Cubs in a, a brief, rain-shortened one-game series. But, hey, it's a sweep. We'll take it. A sweep is a sweep, and it always feels good to sweep the Cubs. Yeah, no, I just – the baseball season is long. And, you know, there how many seasons have we seen where the Reds get out of the gate hot and then they end up not being very good? And it just – you can't tell anything from the first couple of weeks of the baseball season. It's always kind of weird. The weather is always kind of crappy somewhere. Like right now they're playing, and uh, I believe I believe it's negative 40 in Pittsburgh right now. <laughs> Approximately, and yeah. snow on the ground. Um, yeah, there's, and that's sort of the point that I wanted to make, which is that they went 0-3 in that first series, and you would have thought the sky was falling. And certainly 0-3 is not good. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it and try to convince you of that. But it's 0-3 against the Nationals, who's, who are a really good team. And, you know, if you look at it, if you actually dig down into each game, a lot of positives in each game, I, I just could not get worked up over the Reds going 0-3. I, I didn't like it. I'd much rather be three and zero after that first game, but being one and three after four, um, you know, it's a you're right. It's a long season. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, if they win like through Pittsburgh now, is this a this is a four game series, right? Four game series through the weekend. So, I mean, what if they win three out of four in the, in this series? Then they're four and five. Yeah, but Red's Twitter is uh, schizophrenic. They'll be excited then, and then the next yeah. time they lose two in a row, we'll be all down again. Yeah, it's, um, it's not football, kids. It's baseball. It's a long season. Exactly, and I want to uh, sort of give a demonstration of what we mean when we say it's a long season in a moment. But to me, even though they lost those first three games and went one and three in the first four, man, so many things to be excited about for me, and it all comes back to the starting pitching. And... uh you know, in three of the first four games, got what they call quality starts, whether you believe in that as a metric or not, but quality starts. And even some Luis Castillo, didn't, who should be the best of this bunch, did not have a, a start, a quality start, um, had some command issues. But even his, there's lots of positives, I thought, that come out of it. Are, are you with me? You think the starting pitching is yeah. far and away the most exciting thing that we've seen this year? Completely. And like, when was the last time we got a weekend of the season and we're like, hey, this starting <laughs> pitching's looking pretty good? It's it's been a while, and you were right with Castillo. You know, he had some location issues. That really the problem was that they resulted in uh, a couple of uh, balls being hit further than you would like to see the opponents hit the ball. Um, but he still had like what a six to one strikeout to walk ratio or something like that. Um, yeah, well, yeah, he struck out six. Uh, and four of them came on just absolutely filthy changeups. Yeah, so, uh, stuff stuff to me it looked just as good as it did last season. He just couldn't uh, couldn't locate yeah. that fastball. And then, boy, Tyler Molly start. We really should spend some time on Tyler Molly. Um, Why did he did he do well? He he pitched six innings against the Cubs, and they only got one hit. The Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs. He struck out five of the first six Cubs, if I'm remembering correctly. The two-time division champion and uh, won a World Series two years ago. Those that, Chicago Cubs. Those Cubs, and it wasn't. They weren't. Didn't have like their B team lineup on the field either. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the good one. Uh, Tyler Molly. You know, I'm going to say it again. You'll hear me say it a thousand times. I tweet it all the time. That guy just gets batters out. That's all he's ever done. Yeah. It's so exciting. Yeah. It, you know, and that was, I think there were a few people, this is a perfect demonstration of things like vaguely panicking after his last spring training start. And it's just like, why? I don't. If you're one of the people that panics over spring training start, oh my gosh, don't talk to me. 
Right. Half the time, if a pitcher gets shelled in the spring training start, it's because they were told to just throw breaking balls for three innings. Like, you know, it's just it's working on stuff. They're not actually trying to get batters out all the time so much as they're trying to, like, work on location with a particular pitch or whatever. Well, Cody Reed is a good example who had some look good at times during the spring. And uh, I do want to talk about you saw Brandon Finnegan and Cody Reed throw some there this week. But uh, there was one start where he really was just grooving it, uh, except he gave up a couple of home, long home runs and in bad spots or something, and so he ended up giving up three runs or something. And after the game, Brian Price and Cody Reed both were like, well, in those, in those situations, that with, to those hitters, I'm trying to work on having be able to throw a breaking pitch as an out pitch or something. I can't remember exactly what was said, but I'm, I'm trying to work on this specific pitch to be an out pitch. And that was a spot where I could try to work on it and try to get it by, sneak it by the, uh, the batter. And of course it didn't work, but he's working on things. That's not something he would necessarily have thrown if his number one goal was to get a hitter out. So that's why, come on, Tyler Molly was not great in his, uh, last spring training start, but uh, throw it out the window. It means nothing because when he, when the, when the bell rang and the regular season started, and he came out with the Reds, you know, 0-3, rookie pitcher on the mound. He looked like a 10-year veteran. I mean, he was painting the edges of the strike zone. He can throw his fastball, well, just about any of his pitches, but especially that fastball, anywhere he wants it, can he? Yeah. Yeah, he was, I mean, that his control was just amazing watching that game. Um, it, it definitely made you understand, you know, what he's done and and how he's managed to have the results that he's had in the minor leagues. It, it was just it was it was just so exciting just to watch it and think, wow, this guy plays for the Reds and we're going to get to watch him pro. <laughs> right, and, you know, let's let's go back to the opening day because uh, we do want to talk about all the starters so far. Homer Bailey, six very very strong innings, and only gave up one run. That run was due really not his fault. It was some shoddy defense. So. Really strong start on his first opening day start. Uh, struggled a little bit in his second start against the Pirates. Um, four and two-thirds, seven hits, five runs allowed. But we saw a lot in that first start to make us believe that Homer Bailey is healthy, number one. And number two, he can be the guy that you and I sort of expected him to be, which is a you know reasonable maybe a number four star, number three maybe at his ceiling this year. Yeah. Yeah, he's just kind of like he's he's sort of transformed into gritty veteran at this point. But it's it's fun to watch because, you know, um, Homer's not guessing up there; like he knows what he's doing. Yes, uh, and so whatever he's lost in terms of stuff is is compensated for a fair extent by the fact that he knows exactly what he's trying to do when he does it. On Sunday uh, against the Nationals, the third game of the series, Sal Romano pitched, and man, just a brutal first inning. Only got up two runs, but thirty-four pitches, and it looked like, oh, here we go. But somehow he settled down through six innings, uh, gave up three runs. But, uh, again, to me it was a lot of uh, the Romano we saw during the second half of last season who really just – he doesn't uh, he doesn't get ahead of himself and uh, he doesn't get uh, rattled and he just settled down and looked like a, you know, it's, uh, it was three runs and six innings pitch, which is, you know, it's a, not a great outing, but it's a quality start. And after that first inning, the, the fact that he was able to even get to six innings is fantastic. Yeah, that was great, and it's, you know, there's, I think, kind of a long history of, I should actually look at this someday and see if it's the case, but, like, there are certain starters that always have that kind of, like, if you, you might get him in the first inning, but after that, it's, you're not getting to him, um, who just kind of take a minute to settle down, and it, 
And I think Romano has that reputation of being a guy who might take just a minute to get settled down once the game starts. And, uh, yeah, but, I mean, he, he, I agree, looked good, looked really shaky the first inning and then totally fine um, for the rest of the game. And by, and by fine, I mean looked like a good pitcher. And it's just – it's you just can't say enough about it. I mean, this first – you know, Castillo basically gave up a couple of homers that resulted in an ugly line. But otherwise, you can't complain about any of the starting pitchers the first first time through the rotation. Yeah, the way I put it about Castillo was that he did nothing at all to cause anyone to lose faith in his bright future. Yeah. Because, I mean, we expect him to be the stud of this staff this year. And I, I saw nothing that makes me think that's not going to happen. He and, and he's a guy that didn't back down. Every, the two home runs he gave up, he came right back and just blew away the next hitter both times. Striking yeah. him out. So uh, someone asked a question. On Twitter, and I'll go ahead and pose it to you, Jason, because it's an interesting question. Luis Castillo, Sal Romano, Tyler Malley, who's going to uh, who's going to be the best pitcher of that group? The question was asked, who's going to get the most wins of that group? Uh, I would say, who do you think is going to be the best pitcher this year of that group? This, like, are we this year? This year, yes, just this season. Uh, one of them. <laughs> You're going to have to clarify. Castillo, but I would not be surprised if it were Molly. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I say Castillo because I think he's probably got the most just sheer overpowering talent. But yeah. uh, if you t- told me it was going to be Tyler Malley, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bet a dime against that happening. And, and the truth of the matter is, the more I watch a Sal Romano, I still think he's probably like a number three starter, like a dependable guy. But you know, he just keeps getting better. I, and I've got nothing, not one thing bad to say about Sal Romano. That guy's a big league pitcher. And uh, he's never going back to the minor leagues. He's he's going to be in the big leagues for a long time if he stays healthy. It it certainly looks that way. And he's somebody who really seems to have just figured it out and come into his own, and uh, and seems to be ready to go now. Which great. That's what the Reds need. Absolutely. And here's why I'm so encouraged. Even though they started one and three, I sort of facetiously said it was the most encouraging one and three start in baseball history. But the reason why is, man, that pitching was such of a bugaboo last year. There's just the Achilles of this team. And you think back to one year ago, one year ago, Scott Feldman was your opening day starter. And here we are with, uh, you know, at least three of the first four pitchers that started for the Reds with real upside. And, of course, yeah. the other one being Homer Bailey. But but three of the four with just uh, really bright futures if they can stay healthy. And it's just a such a different – it's where I hoped we'd be last year with this rotation of the young pitchers. But it's just a, such a different dynamic. And, and that's why we sort of, you know, half kidding, I guess, I don't know, said the Reds are going to make the playoffs uh, next year. But but that's the primary reason is that this group of starters is it's just not even in the same uh, galaxy as what we experienced last year. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Man, this would be so much easier if you just let me talk and you just agree. Well, it's a strategy we can try maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, not going to happen today probably. Uh, now, uh, everyone sort of got a little excited about 0-3 start, and I get it. I get it. It's not good. You know, I'm not telling you to be happy about it. I'm not happy about it. I wish the Reds had been started 3-0. and But everyone wanted to jump on it as if it were an omen of, oh, here we go again, same old Red Legs, another 90-loss season. And and I know you didn't take it like that, did you? No. And, and frankly, especially against the Nationals, who, let's be real, are going to win a lot of games. Well, they're year. good. That is a, 
ridiculously stacked team, and I would not be surprised to see them win more than 100 games. And, and the three starters that started against the Reds in that series? Come on. They all three finished in the top six of Cy Young voting last year. And of course, we're talking about Max Scherzer, uh, Steven Strasburg, and uh, Gio Gonzalez fi- finishing the top six in National League Cy Young. So, come on. I mean, it's just not... F- okay. 0-3, we we're not happy about it, but it's not that surprising. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good. Yeah. Yeah, those, it's, it's, they're a fantastic team, and those are some good pitchers. And yeah, it's just it's just not anything to get worked up. And you know what? Here's the thing: is that at some point in the season, the Nationals are going to get swept by somebody. Yeah, and they might get swept by a terrible team. It happens. That's baseball. That's the way it goes. Like it's just you you can't tell how good a team is from one series. You need 162 games. Or at least a hundred games before you really start to have a sense of who's good and who's not. Oh, you're so right. You're so right, Jason. For the first time ever, you are so right. And uh, and a perfect example of that is I went back and looked at the three teams last year who won a hundred or more games. Three teams won a hundred or more, and that was the uh, Cleveland Indians, the Houston Astros, uh, last year's champions, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it just I know it hurts because it's the first three games of the season and we're all anticipating that, but the Reds may be headed for bad times this year, but don't draw that conclusion, and here's why. The Cleveland Indians, they had two three-game losing streaks in just the first two weeks of the season. They had at least one three-game losing streak and one four-game losing streak in each month until September. Seven times last year, Cleveland lost at least three games in a row, and yet still won 102 games. Now, they didn't lose the first three games of the season, but is there any difference uh, in getting swept in April versus August? No. So, the Houston Astros, how about them? Uh, <laughs> last year's world champions who won 101 games. How did they win 101 games when they had a three-game losing streak in the first week of the season and had at least one losing streak of at least that many games in every single month of the year, including a five-game losing streak in August and a four-game losing streak in September. How do they still win 101 games, Jason? It's almost as though baseball is sometimes unpredictable. Yes. It's a long season. The Los Angeles Dodgers won 104 games. Three-game losing streaks in each of the first three months of the season. In August, they lost five in a row. In one stretch of September, they lost four in a row. In another stretch of September, they lost 11 in a row. And they won 104 games last year. So basically, I'm yeah. telling you that the Reds are going to win 100 games this year. That's what you're telling me. That's what I hear. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Yeah, no, everybody just kind of needs to calm down. It's it's three games. Three games doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, every team, uh, the very best teams in the league did it last year multiple times. And yeah. And to me, there's just a little difference between losing the first three and losing three in, you know, mid-July or something. So I'm sick of the losing, Jason, but I'm still telling you this team is going to the playoffs. I'm right there with you, Chad. I'm on the train. On the train. I can't believe it. Well, uh, the train's not going so well as we're recording. It's the Reds are in the process of losing their fourth, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're not going to make the playoffs. No, they are. They totally are. Though, though, while hey, let's 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 take a second and talk about the current current Reds game, because I would like to get on a soapbox right now. Ooh, get on your soapbox, Jace. The soapbox is this: Amir Garrett is not a relief pitcher. <sighs> yeah, what's going on with that? I do not know. I mean, it seems to me that he basically pitched his way onto the team, 
in a relief role. And I get the thing with like Cody Reed and, and Brandon Finnegan and stuff. It's just like, they know it's just going to be for a start or two and they don't want to mess with Garrett. But if at some point a starting pitcher shows that he like, you know, what if it's one of the young guys and he needs to go back down or if it's an injury type thing, cause you know, you know, they're not getting through the season with five or six starting pitchers. If there's any significant absence, Amir Garrett needs to be the person who fills that hole. And I will accept no argument to the contrary. I just don't, I really don't understand, and I often don't understand what the Reds are doing. But, you know, when 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 it happened initially, the sort of company line was that, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put Amir Garrett in the bullpen. We're going to have him make that first start that we'll need a fifth starter on. Um, if, unless Brandon Finnegan, I mean, he or Brandon Finnegan are going to make it, basically. But we'll keep him in the bullpen until then because we, you know, we want to, Another lefty in the pen against the Nationals and the Cubs, two left-handed hitting lineups. And I thought, well, that's reasonable, you know, and then work him into being the fifth starter. Uh, and after that, maybe send him down, let him start in AAA um, if, you know, Finnegan grabs the spot or what, however, however they handle it. But, uh, you know, I didn't hear what it was said on the pregame show the other day, but evidently Brian Price made some kind of a comment about Garrett doing well transitioning to the bullpen. And I, I don't want to take it out of context, and I don't want to get upset about something I didn't actually hear. But man, do not tell me they're taking Amir Garrett. I mean, he may he may just be a reliever long term. He may be. Why in the world right now would you make that decision? And why? And here's what I don't understand: is why would you make that decision about Amir Garrett, but not about say like Cody Reed or Robert Stevenson? Yeah, because Amir Garrett is the one who has actually had like success at the major league level and especially with all of the stuff his injury and stuff like i don't know why you don't give him another shot as a starting pitcher i i do not understand and again i don't want to get ahead of myself and i don't want to you know presume anything the reds aren't actually doing but i just i can't come up with any rational explanation for garrett still pitching out of the bullpen yeah i mean you know well you know as you and I have talked sort of in the offseason and, and toward the beginning of the season, one of the things we've often said is that one of the comforting things about what the Reds seem to be doing is that you might not agree with what they're doing 100%, but you understand why they are doing what they're doing. Yes. And I don't understand this. The only way I can uh, rationalize it is if Brian Price, who's managing for his job, if he and so he's more inclined to look for short-term benefit over long-term gain for the organization. I can see how he'd rather have Amir Garrett uh, in the bullpen rather than starting in AAA. I mean, I want him starting in the majors, but, yeah. um, but I mean, I can see how Brian Price would want that. I can't see how Dick Williams and, and the Reds organization think this is a, well, I say, let me just turn that back just a little bit, circle back around. Maybe they, maybe they, have a plan of putting him back into the rotation soon. Maybe yes. that's still the plan. Maybe this, they're just going to keep him here for another series or so in the bullpen until we can get Hernandez back or, or, um, or maybe they're trying to limit innings or, you know, cause right. he, you know, there are, there are explanations, but we haven't been offered any of them yet. And so right now I'm just kind of confused. So I want them to tell us because all we've heard is this sort of uh, vague thing that Brian Price said uh, supposedly in a pregame show that he's transitioned to the bullpen. Um, you know, come out and tell us exactly what's going on because I'm, t- I, I just, I'm having a really hard time deciphering it. And if, uh, 
If he doesn't get any starts, if he's just in the bullpen, he'll be a good reliever. But I will be um, unhappy. Yes. I mean, they've got Kevin Quackenbush in the bullpen. Why do they need Amir Garrett? Real? Why do you need anyone else when you have Kevin Quackenbush? Why is it so much fun to say Kevin Quackenbush? It's almost as fun as it was to say the name of a pitcher the Reds had last year. Ooh. Are you talking about Tim Adelman? I'm I'm not, no. Uh, Scott Feldman? No. Mm, perhaps Luis Alberto Bonilla? That's the one. <laughs> that, that never fails to be amusing. And um, I, 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 I consider it my personal mission to... Give you an opportunity to say that name every time I'm on the oh, pod. Believe me, I'll take I'll take the bait every single time. Yeah, Kevin Quackenbush. You know, I went down to the ball yard on Saturday, second game of the national series, where it was just a ridiculous, ridiculous loss. And uh, Quackenbush came in and just vomited all over the mound. Basically, just awful, just terrible. And boy, there's a really big drunk guy sitting up behind me that really doesn't like. Kevin Quackenbush, but he was having a good time yelling at him. And by that time, the the crowd had thinned out, and I'm sure Quackenbush could hear every word. It was it's a little uncomfortable, actually. I, you know, it's one thing if you're yelling at a guy, but it's another if he can actually hear you. <laughs> yes. But he said some uh, impolite things about Kevin Quackenbush, and and I'll say this about Quackenbush: he was trying. <laughs> it's not like he was you know trying to suck. Yeah, I I think something that every every fan needs to make sure they remember um, is that every major league player is trying all the time. Like these are, and this is especially true of guys who are really trying to get themselves established. Nobody is going out there being like, "I don't really want to today. I'm just going to not try that hard." Right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Why are you mad at the guy? Taken away. Yeah, like. I mean, if, if uh, Dick Williams looked at me and put me in the pitch, I'm going to give up 10 runs. You can get mad at me if you want, but <laughs> I'm trying the hardest I can. I don't want to give up 10 runs. Blame you know who put me in or who signed me, uh, Giovanni Gallardo. Um, but poor old Quackenbush was taking it. You know, the point you just made is one that I really took to heart back when Corey Patterson was leading off every day for the Reds. And poor Corey Patterson took so much abuse. And uh, and he was awful. I mean, he was a terrible player, and then Dusty Baker had him leading off. And, I mean, he was bad. But you know what? That guy busted his tail every single day for the Cincinnati Reds. And I just got to feel sorry for the guy. I mean, he was, he was awful. I didn't want him leading off for my team. But, man, that guy didn't deserve what was heaped upon him when he didn't was doing nothing other than trying as hard as he could to be the best baseball player he could be. I wonder if he's available. I'm sure he is. We need a low on base percentage uh, leadoff hitter. Oh, no, we have one of those. Well, it has mostly been Winker so far. Yeah, Winker's been fifth tonight, though, or sixth. Been sixth. Yeah, sixth. That's kind of weird. I don't know if we're doing a. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. But. Batting six got double switched out of the game while Billy Hamilton is leading off. And 0 for 4. Billy Hamilton batting 0-63 on the season. A sterling 243 OPS thus far. Though in fairness, a lot of Reds hitters do not have such sterling numbers right now, which has been the, the primary issue. And it's, you know, Joey Votto, for instance, is not going to bat 167 this season. He might. No. No? No. 
Mm, I don't know, Jason. I think he's getting old. No. Scooter's hitting 450. Yeah. Yeah. Scooter and Tucker are the only people yeah. who have hit, you know, anything at all this, this season so far. And, and that's not going to be the case the whole year. So it's not. Yeah. Suarez and Votto going to hit. Uh, Winker's, Winker's doing fine getting on base. Uh, he's going to hit. Uh, yeah, Scooter, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with what he's done at the plate. He's been really shaky defensively at second base. But uh, but if he keeps hitting, it's going to force the Reds' hand. And, you know, what's going to happen with – who knows? What's going to happen with Nick Senzel? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I was able to – I was at the Nick Senzel press conference yesterday. Uh, you posted that up on Red Leg Nation. Um, and then we talked to uh, the bats manager. Um, is it, it's Pat Kelly, I think. I don't want to get his name. Pat Kelly. Yeah, Pat Kelly. Um, I keep wanting to say Tom Kelly for some reason, and it's but it's Pat Kelly, former Minnesota uh, Twins manager Tom Kelly. Yeah, that's that's totally what that is. I've got their names inverted in my head. Um, he he talked today, and I and I asked him about Senzel, and he said that. <clears throat> excuse me, I asked him what he think needed to happen for the major leagues, and he said it's just reps at this point. He said, take him all around the league a couple of times, see teams adjust to him, see how he responds to it, and then he'll be ready to go. Um, but he had, you know, he had Senzel at Double uh, um, A last year, because uh, Kelly was the Double the A manager last year for the Reds in Pensacola, so he kn- he knows a lot of these guys pretty well, and uh, uh he seemed, you know, fairly confident that it, it would it was not going to be too long before Nick Senzel was ready. And so the question is going to be, where is he going to play? You know, he's playing second base down there. Although some, you know, he answered some of the questions that he he has to be ready for any of the three infield positions, the non vado infield positions. Uh, you know, if Scooter keeps hitting, and if you know Jose Peraz is hitting 067 right now. Um. <laughs> but here, let me let me ask a question. Okay. And this is, I'm going to go into the outfit a little bit for this too. The, there's a certain uh, group of Reds fans that seem to always favor sort of the players who who will hit or whatever. So I want you to imagine the following scenario, okay? Your up the middle defense is Nick Senzel at shortstop, Scooter Jeanette at second, and Scott Shebler in center field. Anybody really want to see that? Because I don't. They'll hit. They'll hit, and so will the other team. <laughs> the Reds pitchers won't want to see that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's because you can't put on paper, defense defensively, you can't put it on paper as well as you can with the hitting yeah. stats. And also because it's really obvious when a guy is struggling at the plate and it's not always obvious if they're brilliant in the field. Right. Yeah. But but that's, that's part of the game, too. From what I've seen of Senzel, he's, he is quite athletic and all of that stuff. But, you know, if he's, at, if he's at short, then I want somebody at second who can play second base. Um, you know, I'd much rather Senzel Blandino than Senzel Jeanette. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, it's and just, it's nothing against Scooter. Like, we love Scooter here. Sure. Um, but I, I think even Scooter will tell you that defense is not his strong suit. No, no. But I mean, you know, he's got a hit, and he has he's continued. He hasn't slowed down this year. That's his yeah. calling card. If he doesn't hit, he's t- it's tough to play him. Um, you're right. I mean, and that's why I really am sort of uh, at a loss uh, to predict what the Reds are going to do with Nick Senzel, because there's not really any great answer 
there right now. I mean, nothing, nothing's really clear there yet. Um, because of what you just said, you know, um, Sinzel with, you know, no games at this point under his belt at shortstop, regular season games. You're going to put him at shortstop in the major leagues right now or in, you know, a month after he's been playing second base and shortstop maybe in, in AAA? Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I do think that Peraza's got to hit. If Peraza doesn't hit soon, at least reasonably, uh, I just think it's going to be too easy to slide slide Senzel in that spot or even slide uh, Suarez over and put Senzel back at third. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if if Peraza continues to not hit, then he's then he's going to run out of rope before too long. You're right. It's just going to be interesting to see what the Reds do. It, it really is, and uh, and you're right. I mean, they would have Tucker if you know if the lineup we're thinking about would have Tucker and, and Billy Hamilton up the middle, but then a really weak, really weak middle infield. Yeah. And, and even if Senzel has, has a chance to develop into a really good shortstop, you're not going to expect that from day one. I mean, Barry Larkin was kind of a garbage shortstop his first year to, until he really learned the position. And he ended up being good. He ended up being quite good, yeah. And so, I mean, you know, we'll see. Um, I think Barry Larkin made an all-star team one time. He was that good. One time. I think, yeah, I think there was some vote like a couple of years ago and they put him in some club or something that means you're good. It was the, it was the Freemasons. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, oh, wait, is he, is he one of the Illuminati now? He is. I'm pretty sure Barry Larkin is Illuminati. Illuminati confirmed. Um, all right, whatever. I don't know. You know, I don't know what they're going to do. I think that it's going to, at some point in the next couple of months, though, uh, there's going to be a sort of an inflection point where the Reds have got to make a decision and we're going to go one way or the other. And I just hope they make the right decision. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Parazza. Hey, I wish he'd hit like crazy and make the, make the decision really hard because that's a yeah. good thing. Jason, can I talk to you about uh, a piece, your column at Red Lake Nation this week? Do you, do you mind? You always can talk to me about things that I write. You wrote something at redlegnation.com, the home for obsessive fans of the Cincinnati Reds since 2005, and you wrote uh, this uh, column you call them the championship track. And you had a little uh, Schoolhouse Rock uh, title this week, Roster Construction Junction. What's your function, Jason? Um, well, I was just, one, thank you for the title praise. I was very proud of it. <laughs> That's a good one. We were we were both calling back to elementary school and and uh, and really just beating the railroad metaphor to death. <laughs> so you did a poll, uh, or you you posted a poll on the Red Lake Nation Twitter account at Red Lake Nation, and, and it said, "Trying to ignore what just happened with the Nationals, please and thank you. How would you grade the Reds in terms of how they've constructed the roster, and what did you discover from the answers to that?" That most people think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. The, the choices for anyone who might not have seen were great, good, fine, and blarg. What was that last one again, Jason? It was blarg. <laughs> blarg. You mean like, uh, a, 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 like a website, that uh, like a, a weblog? A, like Relegation no. is a blarg? Blarg, oh. like the sound that fans make when an opposing... Hitter hits a ball far, far, far. Um, yeah, and I wanted to do A, B, C, D, F, but Twitter only lets you have four options, so that's what I did. Um, but generally, you know, the good and blarg options were more or less evenly split, and then 
A lot of people thought fine. There were like four people apparently who voted for great. Um, and I assume that was by accident, frankly. Um, but yeah, uh, people seem basically fine with it. I think the the complaints primarily, and these are, are my complaints, had to do with sort of those like little marginal decisions. Like I don't understand and I don't think anybody does why Gosselin and Pennington are both on the Reds. The Amir Garrett, Cody Reed thing is a little bit confusing. Um, they're just, a, and the, the, the Gallardo signing is, is odd. Like they're just some little odd things that probably don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but they are nevertheless a little bit strange. Yeah, I don't get Gallardo at all. Cliff Pennington, Phil Gosselin. I mean, I think that you, uh, um, <laughs> you called them, they had names like late 80s uh, sitcom uncles. That's pretty good. Um, but, you know, it looks to me like a guy like Phil Gosselin especially is a guy that's pretty easy to discard uh, if and when Nick Senzel's ready or if you need a roster spot, you know, I guess. Um, he's probably not going to get claimed if you designate yeah. him for assignment. Brandon Dixon might get claimed if you designate him for assignment. I, I, he's probably got uh, is, options, is though. Senzel, yeah. well, I guess Senzel isn't on the 40-man yet, is he? Uh, I don't think he has to be yet, no. So they'll have to make a room for him, so that'll be Gosselin. That's the first time that's I've thought of that, and that might actually be a good reason. Yeah, anticipating we need a roster spot here soon. Right. Dawson can play a bunch of yeah. positions, you know, somewhat credibly. Also, where did Phil Gosselin go to college? I don't know. Did he go to Virginia or Georgetown, Chad? <laughs> he went to Virginia. Just, okay. He was on the national championship team at Virginia, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's that's an odd one. Cliff Pennington, I knew from the moment he came to spring camp, that guy was going to be on the opening day roster just because yeah. he's a shortstop. Yeah. Yeah, here's your backup shortstop. Yeah. I guess you could sort of understand that. Whether you agree with it or not, you can sort of understand that. I, I wanted Brandon Dixon to make that the final roster. I thought he's got a little pop in his bat, can play a couple position, few positions. Um, again, somewhat credibly. I, I would have liked him over Phil Goslin. Yeah. Pretty easy. I- I think I think Brandon Dixon is a pretty excellent sort of twenty fourth, twenty fifth man on a roster where he's not he's not ever probably. I mean, you know, players can always change and grow and stuff. You never know, but probably he's never going to be the kind of quality player that you want in a starter. But he is power off the bench. He can sub in easily enough in a lot of positions when somebody needs a day off. Um, you know, so that he's got that that sort of versatility aspect to him that makes him a good uh, a good option for that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was surprised that they didn't, they didn't give him that spot, but he, he seems to me like a, a sort of a, have a, he could have a Chris Heisey career with a little bit more, you know, flexibility in where you play him, but sort of that type of career, just a long time bench guy, but could stick around for a while if he gets a chance and performs. Yeah. And it's easy to imagine him having sort of that one season where he kind of catches lightning in a bottle yeah. and like Heisey did, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. He seems like perfectly, a perfectly fine player and, I think he's probably a major league bench player uh, at his at his peak. Do we know um, why the Reds spent seven hundred fifty thousand dollars? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Jason. I was going to say there are a whole lot worse jobs than major league bench. <laughs> yeah, really, give me that job. Yeah. Um, do we know why the Reds gave a major league contract and seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to Giovanni Gallardo? I mean, can you wrap your brain around that one at all? The only thing I can think is this, which is that it's. Um, the bullpen version of what they were doing with Bronson last year, where he's somebody they can have in the bullpen 
And if one of the young starters, this will probably happen a few times this year, just completely blows up and they need some somebody that they can just throw out there and be like, you're pitching till your arm falls off, then he's the guy. Like the old school emergency starter, like long relief, like swingman role. That's the only who, and he was always the worst pitcher in the bullpen because if he'd been good, he'd either be starting or he'd be, you know, relieving in a more critical role. So that's the only thing that makes sense to me with him. Um, it doesn't mean that's the right answer, but that's what I can think of. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a, a reasonable way to look at it. But on the other hand, Gallardo's been one of the worst pitchers in the majors the last couple of years. I mean, this guy's this guy's done as an effective major league pitcher, in my opinion. He's yeah, trying, he's trying hard. But uh, I would not have given him any money to play baseball. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I can you know there are guys in the organization. Maybe there's not anybody that they think is is ready for that. But I'd have brought back a Dick McGuire or something like that and given him seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to uh, to do that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's. It, I agree completely that it's a weird move, and we'll just have to see how he gets used throughout the year. It, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's odd. Uh, last thing to talk about is this whole we sort of we've touched on it with Amir Garrett, but Cody Reed, Brandon Finnegan, look like they have the inside track somehow over Amir Garrett for that fifth starter spot, and it looks like it's going to be Finnegan now. You watched Finnegan pitch uh, yesterday, yeah, right? Well, and and you know I think Finnegan has had that spot, and it was just a matter of him getting ready. Um, but yeah, yesterday there was a simulated game um, here in Louisville. Uh, and I went and watched, uh, and Finnegan pitched and Reed pitched. They were the two starters, respectively. And, it, you know, there was no scoreboard or anything running, so it was hard to keep perfect track of things. Uh, there was me and there was one other guy up there, and we were, were kind of trying to figure out how many uh, how many pitches each guy had thrown. And best we could tell, Cody Reed threw 91 pitches in four and two-thirds innings. And Finnegan, uh, the Reds were tracking his line, so I got his official line. He threw 86 pitches, struck out nine in uh, five and two-thirds innings. Um, and, you know, my impression was that they both had kind of their moments. I, th- I thought I personally, though um, Cody Reed later disagreed with me on this, thought that Reed was a little bit wild in the first maybe inning and a bit and then calmed down pretty good. And, uh, and Finnegan had one inning where he kind of seemed to, like a lot of pitchers do, where he seemed to kind of lose it a little bit but then got it back. Um, but they both looked, you know, Finnegan, I think especially looked pretty good yesterday. Um, and then, you know, I, I am sort of lucky enough to get access and I got to talk to them and, uh, and Finnegan said what he was told was that if he did well yesterday, then he would start on Monday. Um, but it turns out actually that the, the Reds made an announcement today, or at least Trent Rosecrans had a quote from, uh, from Brian Price saying that Reed was going to start on Monday and uh, Finnegan would be starting uh, for the bats in AAA on Monday, and then presumably Finnegan would be would be the the fifth starter the next time that turn comes up. I guess uh, the hopeful part of all this is that Finnegan's healthy. And when we first started hearing about the forearm issues, I thought, "Oh my gosh, what's what's happening here?" But he seems healthy. Yeah, I saw no evidence that he wasn't. Um, you know, from the quotes that I saw, they want to make sure that he gets. Um, this was out and they want to make sure that that the the process between starts goes normally once before they officially slate him to to start in Cincinnati. Yeah. And again, baffled by why Amir Garrett's not getting that start. I'm <laughs> just baffled. It doesn't make any sense to me. 
But what do I know, Jason? Actually, don't there are that. always things that we don't know, and, and I just hope that there actually are things that we don't know and not just, you know. Yeah, I hope it's not what it looks like, I guess is what I'm yeah. saying. And, and very well, I, I'm perfectly willing to believe that it may not be what it looks like, but I really hope it's not what it looks like. Yes. Yeah, I think, go ahead. I, I just I was agreeing with you. I was making agreeing noises. Oh, okay. Well, I will always allow you to uh, repeat anytime you want to agree with me. We're through one week of the season, Jason. Has anything happened that would cause you to believe that your preseason prediction is uh, was was faulty? No. No. Not even and, close, right? Yeah. Frankly, I'm 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 encouraged because the starting pitching has been so good. I'm not remotely worried about the hitting. The team will hit what basically how it hit last year, I think. And yeah. And the starting pitching looks good, like legitimately good. And so as long if the starting pitching is good, then this team is 10 wins better automatically. Yeah, and that's a that's a big deal. Once you start doing that, like we said last year, you start getting in that territory, a couple breaks here and there, and all of a sudden we got a World Series parade in downtown Cincinnati. Oh, Chad. Now, now, now who's the optimistic one? I had to talk you back into op- optimistic territory a few weeks ago, but now you're – I know. Series celebration. We, that's what someone said to me on Twitter, actually. We need to go back and listen to that one because I was down there for a minute. But uh, there's just too much to be optimistic about with all these young the young pitchers. It's just it's terribly exciting. You know, we're, we talked about Castillo, Romano, and uh, Tyler Malley. But then flip it around, and we're talking about Amir Garrett, Cody Reed, and Brandon Finnegan as well, all of whom are credible options yeah. for a start, and all young. I mean, Garrett's the oldest one of the group. So... Just there's not a I love Bronson Arroyo, but there's not an Arroyo in there, uh, nope. late late career Arroyo I mean, and there's not a Scott Feldman, and there's not a Tim Adelman, and there's not an Asher Wojciechowski, and there's not a who else? Who am I forgetting? No, I mean right. I mean right now we've got Homer Bailey and what like six or seven guys in their early to mid twenties who everyone firmly believes have the ability to be like good major league starting pitchers. Um, and it's just a matter of who realizes their potential and who doesn't. We need to get back. Luis Alberto Boni. Ah, 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 ah. Maybe not. We don't have room for him now. We've got good pitchers. No room for, for, for your buddy there. Yeah, I wish though, man. I wish. Um, all right. Anything else you want to talk about here, Jace? Uh, I don't think so, Chad. I, I think we're in good shape for now. All right. Well, this is a, as always been fun. We're going to cut it a little short here tonight, but uh, it's been a lot of fun talking about the Reds uh, team so far in 2018. And and frankly, I think Jason and I are both really encouraged by what we've seen. Still think it's going to be a really fun season. You can follow us uh, at Red Lake Nation on Twitter and at RedLakeNation.com. If you still go to websites, we're there every day talking about the Reds. Uh, Jason's at Jason Linden on Twitter. I am. Uh, at Dotson C. We're on iTunes, uh, the podcast. Thank you for downloading us. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere you get your podcast. You'll find us. Um, you know, go subscribe. Uh, give us a uh, give us a shout out, a rating, and a review. Uh, really appreciate that. And appreciate you all taking your time. And again, uh, I can't express enough gratitude uh, from what I've seen from Red Leg Nation over the last 14 years, really. But uh, it's just been uh, it's been insane. And uh, this week's really caused me to remember exactly why I love you guys so much. Thank you for buying the book. Uh, those of you who keep buying the book, give me some five-star reviews if you like the book. Uh, Jason, great talking to you again, buddy. Always a pleasure, Chad. 
For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.